Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thine anointest my head with oil. Thy cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, surely, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That last part. Imagine how amazing it is to have that assurance like the psalmist did to speak those words, surely. Ask yourself, how close am I? How close is my belief system to that statement? Surely, goodness and mercy. That means I am positive that not only is God going to continuously show goodness to me, but he is also perpetually giving me mercy for all the days of my life. And that no matter what, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I got a question for you. If we want to dwell in the house of the Lord, where is it? Is it in a location? Is it in a place that we can journey to? Or is it in a place that is closer than intimacy? The simple point of me speaking that psalm is I'm trying to say, the house of the Lord is within us. We find that not by searching, 
but by being. We dwell in the house of the Lord forever because we cannot leave it. It is in us. But when we're not in touch with that truth, we suffer. We feel separate from God. And the thing that I love so much about Jesus was his practicality. He really wanted us to experience this, to experience dwelling in the house of God forever, to experience the comfort of saying, goodness and mercy is mine because of who my God is. The purpose of centering prayer is helping us to come back into that realization come back to the awareness of God in us, not in a nebulous sense, but in a way that will truly allow us to be at peace. And so it is with that intentionality that I invite you to get comfortable. I invite you to close your eyes and relinquish the concept of anything being outside of your eyes. It's just you and God. It's just you and God. And you hear his loving voice saying, breathe. is an opportunity to release all responsibility. You don't have any bills here. You don't have any enemies. All there is is you, God, and your breath. As you continue to breathe, even the concept of you begins to disappear. Now there's just God and breath.
that is all that is real. God and God being expressed through your breath is all that is real. that which is real cannot be threatened and that which can be threatened is not real what a relief space without threat, finally, the comfort of safety. it's mine, that means I have no responsibility. All there is, is to breathe in peace. The next time you hear me say the word now, we are going to breathe in as one church body. Allow yourself to hold that breath at the top of the breath 
right afterward, slowly breathe it out like you're breathing out of a straw. We are going to do that now. to slowly wake up your body. Feel the life energy oozing into your fingers, oscillating through your arms, warming your torso. skating through your legs, 
feeling the beauty of life, gently waking you back up into your body and your awareness of your environment. In your own time, you may open your eyes. We love you. We thank you, Hartway. And stay tuned for your next jazz session. <laughs> love you. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday. How are we feeling? Anybody tired like me? Exhausted from a long week? Why are you laughing at me? I'm gonna start calling you guys out. I love doing that. Hey. All right. So the title of my message today is Stillness is the Way. Very fitting after such a beautiful moment of being still just now. We get to practice being still together on a weekly basis. And it really is the way to peace and groundedness and rootedness in God, stillness, stillness. Reflect on what that word means. And more importantly than anything I say today is you taking the time to discover what it is for yourself. Because I can talk about what stillness is, but it's very different for you to experience stillness yourself. And it's very individual. It's very unique to you. You find your own way to become still. So I want to start by looking at this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, where Jesus says, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Now, oftentimes when we think about prayer, we think of asking God for stuff, right? Asking God to bless us, asking God to change a situation, asking God to do this or to do that. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Go ahead and bring your request before God like the scriptures say. However, there have always been teachers within all of the great religious traditions, specifically also within Christianity, that have talked about a way of praying and communing with God that goes beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond images. They refer to it as inner prayer or the prayer of stillness. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, when they read this verse and they see these words that Jesus spoke, when Jesus says, go into your room, they understand this room of which Jesus speaks to be a metaphor for the heart, the inner room or the, the temple of God's spirit, which is built in you through stillness. Uh, there's one mystic who says the prayer of stillness brings the mind to heaven. In other words, stillness elevates your state of mind. It elevates you to a higher level of consciousness. Meditation, by the way, centering prayer, which we just did, is one of the ways that you can practice stillness. Stillness is 
observing your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and submitting them to the divine presence. It is noticing your agenda, your plans, your ideas, and submitting them to God. It's a surrendering of the ego and an awakening of spiritual awareness. And through stillness, the reason why this is so beneficial is because through stillness, you come to see the reactivity within you. You come to recognize your patterns. And just by noticing the patterns of your ego, those patterns start losing their power. Because now you are making what is unconscious, conscious. When I was in high school, all of my friends used to know that I had big time OCD. I didn't like for anything to be moved of mine. So people, like my friends would flip my bag. I had all my folders in order. Every, every paper was exactly where it was supposed to be. And they would flip my bag and I would just get so mad. But they would do it because they knew that it would get a reaction out of me. My, my friend that I, my roommate in college, he also knew that at that time in my life I was very OCD. And I would leave every weekend from my college campus to, to lead worship at a church here in Broward. And my room there was, was empty and I would always tell him, don't go in the room, don't touch anything, and especially don't sit on my bed. This guy, 10 years later, said, bro, I got to tell you, man, I slept in your bed a bunch of times, bro. Because this guy, who was, he was my roommate, but he didn't actually have a bed. He would sleep on the couch. So when I was gone, he was like, this guy's gone. I'm sleeping in the bed. And I'm like, what? Now you tell me this 10 years later? Are you crazy? But, you know, the thing is, like, we have certain reactions to things, and it just happens. It's like people press your buttons and something comes out. And, and people, they kind of learn how to manipulate you on the basis of your reactions, you know? And you do this unconsciously. So when you make the unconscious conscious, when you become aware, when you start to notice your patterns, now you gain the power to choose a different response when those uh, reactions start arising in you because you're noticing, you're paying attention to your inner world. So my definition of stillness is being unmoved by the movements of the mind. To be unmoved by the movements of the mind because your mind is gonna go a million different ways. Your mind sometimes thinks the craziest of things. And if you just go with every thought that pops in there, you're going to end up in trouble. So what would it look like for us to become unmoved by the movements of the mind? Another word for this is non-attachment. It's watching your thinking without becoming attached to it. That is the practice of stillness. That's what we do through centering prayer and meditation. You're just being, just sitting, just noticing what arises. And you will notice how fleeting everything is. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. Stillness is the genesis and the beginning of all creativity. The scriptures teach that God created everything out of nothing, which means Everything that we see in our universe comes out of this primordial silence, emptiness, stillness. Some people in philosophy refer to it as the void. 
And the point of me saying this is that all creativity in our lives requires at least some level of stillness. So some of us may feel like we're stuck in life right now. We, we don't know what decision to make. We don't know where to go, what to do, where to turn. Maybe what's needed for you right now is just a little bit of stillness. Just slow down just a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it's the Marines or some branch of the military. They have this phrase. They say, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. What if we can just slow down our internal world? By the way, this doesn't mean you don't partake in activity, right? You, by all means, you can be very active and, and still be still within yourself. You know what I mean? So when I was uh, working on my doctoral project and I had to write like a million pages, I can't tell you how many times I was working on my stuff and I would get something called writer's block, right? Anybody ever experienced that? It's like, I'm staring at a blank screen and I know I need to write something, but I don't, even, I don't know what to write. Nothing's coming to me. Sometimes when I'm prepping for messages for Sunday morning, that happens to me because I'm working or I'm doing a bunch of things and my mind's in a million places. And it's writer, I have a blockage. I, I can't put anything down on paper. Well, what I've discovered for myself, this has been so helpful, when I'm experiencing those sort of creative blockages, sometimes I just go and do something else and just stop thinking about what I'm thinking about. I'll, I'll close the computer, step outside, take a walk, go do yoga, go to the gym, go hang out with somebody, and without fail, when I stop trying so hard to think about what I'm thinking about, the ideas just start flowing without me even intentionally looking for them. Something will pop into my head while I'm in downward dog in yoga class. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great idea. I should write this down, you know? But the ideas just start flowing. Why? Because you give your mind a break. Sometimes we just got to give our mind a break. Practicing stillness is a way to give your mind a break. And when you give your mind a break, you can become way more open and receptive to all of the solutions and downloads that God has for you. You become uh, much more in tune with your intuition. Something I've come to see is that unhappiness doesn't come from the circumstances of our life, but from the noise in our mind. If you can learn how to deal with and navigate through the noise in your mind, you can be in any circumstance, it doesn't matter what it is, and still be at peace. Because the very thing that makes that circumstance you're going through so difficult is what you are thinking and believing about it. That is what makes your life so difficult. Not the circumstance itself, but what you project onto it what you think about it, because you got to live with you. You are the one that goes to bed at night, and this thing can't shut off. It's the noise in our mind that drives us absolutely crazy. So how do we navigate through it? How do we deal with it? I've learned a lot by watching competitors and athletes. The best athletes in the world are the ones who have learned how to find stillness under pressure. 
And they get a lot of pressure. The media, the fans, the coaches. So for an athlete to operate at their highest potential, they have to find a way to clear their mind of all the noise and all of the external voices so that they can be present right here, right now. Some people refer to it as being in the zone. Anybody know what it's like to be in the zone? Right, when you're in the zone, that's why some people like running. Because when they run, they're just in the zone. Mario tells me about it all the time, clears his mind. He's not thinking about anything, he's just in the zone. I'm a big basketball fan and I love when I hear players after the game, sometimes they get interviewed and they talk about the, the, the game. And I love when players talk about the fact that even though they were missing a lot of shots, the, the coaches and their teammates would tell them to still keep on shooting. Even though I was, I was missing every shot in the first quarter, they told me just keep shooting. Go out there and just keep shooting. Why? Because it's so easy for players when you miss a couple of shots now to start getting in your head. If you miss a couple shots, now you're going to start anticipating more failure in the future. And so you, you withhold, you, you, you don't take the risk, you don't take the shots, you don't play your game the way that you play your game. So what happens is we overthink things. And when we overthink things, we create blockages in our life that prevent creativity from flowing through. Uh, the other night, I went out to shoot some pool with some of the guys from Hartway. My guy Phil here, I didn't know he was a, a, an expert pool player and, and 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 he looks at me playing he's like bro let me let me teach you what's going on here and so he starts showing me how to do it he's teaching me all these things and I, now I'm trying to apply it it's all new to me so I'm I'm here playing pool trying to shoot and I'm looking all awkward and weird trying to mimic what I see him doing and as I'm as I'm about to shoot the ball he says dude you're you're oh, you're thinking about it too much you're just thinking about it too much and isn't that what we do we think about it too much and then we start getting all awkward and weird and we don't, you know what I mean? We're not, we're not slow and smooth anymore. All of that thinking isn't necessary. If you really take the time to get still and pay attention to what's happening in your mind, you will notice that most of your thinking is repetitive and compulsive and useless, and we rethink the same things over and over and over again, and it gets us nowhere. We get stuck in a nightmare. As you practice stillness, when you notice those old narratives coming up again, now you gain the ability to not give those narratives any power. Thoughts don't have any power in and of themselves. Thoughts gain power when you give thoughts power through your belief. If you don't believe your thoughts, if you don't attach yourself to your thinking, if you don't attach yourself to the narrative, it comes and it goes. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. So what would it look like for you to create moments of stillness throughout your day where you just pause, go within yourself, 
Become aware of your thoughts and your emotions. Focus on your breath. Practice some self-regulation. Come back to the present moment. If you make a habit of this, eventually that stillness can begin to encompass the entirety of your life so that you can be still now in any activity that you're doing. You can touch that element of stillness within yourself. No matter where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, what's going on in your mind, you can tap into that dimension of stillness within you. Now, stillness does not mean the absence of noise. It means peace in the presence of it. Because it's almost near impossible to just shut off our mind. There are actually teachers of meditation who talk about the practice of silencing the mind. And it really is a practice, but it's a very difficult one. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's, it's attainable by most people. And uh, I've tried, <laughs> you know? Good luck to y'all too, because I know I take it serious than most people. It, 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 trying to silence your mind is a difficult thing to do, but you, we can all practice a little bit of stillness. Just letting the mind do what it does without attaching ourselves to any of it. Even in the midst of chaos, you can keep stillness inside of you. So think about the ocean, for example. The surface of the ocean can be very chaotic and very wavy, but the deeper you go within it, the quieter and the calmer the water becomes. So in the same way, the deeper that you go within yourself, the more familiar you become with the inner room of the heart, the quieter and calmer you will be even when there is a lot of pressure around you and noise within you. Let me read you this uh, quote from a monk by the name of Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, by the way, he wrote a book called Living Buddha, Living Christ, which is a wonderful book. He says, if we're not calm, we can't listen deeply and understand. But when our mind is calm, we can see reality more clearly. Like still water reflecting the trees, the clouds, and the blue sky. Stillness is the foundation of understanding and insight. Another quote from uh, Eckhart Tolle, very popular modern day teacher. He says, silence is helpful, but you don't need it in order to find stillness. Even when there is noise, you can be aware of the stillness underneath the noise. You can be aware of the space in which the noise arises. That is the inner space of pure awareness, consciousness itself. You can become aware of awareness as the background to all your sense perceptions, all your thinking. Becoming aware of awareness is the arising of inner stillness. So when a lot of us are dealing with mental noise, our first reaction is to resist it, to fight it, to try and make it go away, to forget it and ignore it. Stillness is about acceptance. Let it be. Accept it. And just that act of acceptance brings you to peace. It brings you to stillness. The way that I see it, my thoughts spin out of control to remind me that I have none. Okay? 
So the next time you're going through something and your thoughts are racing all over the place and you're trying to figure it out and you're thinking about the past and you're thinking about the future and you're trying to, your thoughts are out of control just to remind you that you have none. So let it be a reminder that this is the time to surrender. Stillness is another word for releasing control. And the beautiful paradox of, of God's way of doing things is that when you truly release control, you immediately gain it. When you release control over your circumstances, you gain control over yourself. The other day in my notes, I wrote to myself, I'm not trying to conquer the world, just myself. Uh, somebody said, oh, that's cute. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I know a lot of people who are trying to conquer the world. And by all means, go for it. Do your thing. But I want to conquer myself. Because like Jesus says, what good is it if you have the whole world but you lose your own soul? I was listening to a, um, a song the other day. It's so funny. Somehow... I was on Spotify and I was listening to like some trap music or something. And and it was like a it was like a play it was a playlist. It just started going. Just a whole bunch of Travis Scott and ASAP Rocky and all this stuff, right? And what, and if you listen to the lyrics, if you actually listen to the words that these millionaire these people who made it to the top of the world they got all the girls, they got all the money, they got all the cars. They tell you in the lyrics, you don't want my fame. Money cannot cure your pain. These are the lyrics that I'm hearing in the songs that were in the club. Like, hey, uh, uh, uh. This guy's like, money can't cure your pain. You don't want my fame because you don't understand all that comes with it. Just conquer yourself. There's a lot of people who have conquered the world and they said, it's not... It's not really that great of a thing. It actually makes things a lot worse. One last thing I want to say about stillness is this, and this is huge, and this is a recurring theme in, in all of my messages, but I don't, I don't ever think you can hammer this enough. Stillness requires being in a state of not knowing. Not knowing. It's very difficult for most people to get comfortable with not knowing because the mind is always trying to draw conclusions and make interpretations. We are afraid of not knowing. But when you think you know, you become trapped by your opinions and your concepts and your beliefs so that now you can't see anything outside of that. Not knowing keeps your mind open. And just as importantly, not knowing brings stabilization to your internal world. Very important. I'm going to have a vulnerable moment. Is that okay? Of course. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is funny that I'm even going to say this to everybody. So a couple weeks ago, I signed up for a dating app. And I ended up, what? Let me finish the story, man. <laughs> All right. 
So I go, I go out on a date with a, a love, lovely little thing. You know, we had a great time. We had a great time. It was just a beautiful, just a great, great interaction. Now, listen, it's... <laughs> all right, all I'm, gonna, all I'm gonna say is this. All I'm gonna say is this. After, after this interaction, after this dinner, you know, I, I've, honestly, I felt like I was in high school. It was like all my emotions in there. You know, it, I was very happy. <laughs> and I went home. I went home. And as I laid in bed with all those feelings and emotions and just all the, what, do you, what, what's, what happens in your brain, Ryan, when what gets activated? What is this, dopamine or something? All right, yeah, I had a lot of dopamine going on. Bro. <laughs> yeah, my dopamine was just everywhere. And as, I'm, as, I'm, as I was in bed after that date, I said, I am blinded by my emotion and desire right now. I just said that to myself. I'm like, oh, too bad. It is what it is. What are you going to do? But I was in bed. I was like, I'm blinded by my, my emotion and my desire. And now it's been, what, like five, six months that I've been uh, alone now after being married for seven years. And you feel feelings like that, and, and, and it's very easy to get into something that is not right for you. It's very easy just to rush into some sort of a situation that really isn't ideal, but you can't see none of the red flags. You can't see any of the issues because you got all that dopamine inside of you, and you're excited, and the emotions, and it's filling the void, and all this stuff. Now, thankfully, because I, I've been in this practice long enough, very shortly after, the thought comes to me, bro, you don't even know this person. <laughs> really? It's like, why are you so excited about something? You don't even know them. And guess what? People can say one thing and be something totally different. Hey, I was talking to a guy the other day because now I like getting, I'm getting a lot of advice from my male friends. I like to see how they approach this. And some of my friends, they got issues, bro. But listen, this one, you know what this one guy said to me? I'm not kidding you. This one guy says to me, he says, bro, all you got to do is so easy, bro. Yeah, he literally talks like that. He's like, bro, he's like, bro, all you got to do is so easy, bro. You go out with the girls, just listen to what they say, right? Just listen. They're going to tell you about the last boyfriend, how they messed up everything. Just do the opposite, bro. <laughs> just do the opposite, bro. And I'm like, so this guy probably, he probably goes out with these ladies and just tells them everything that they want to hear so that he can get what he wants. You're like, wow, like you didn't know that happens. <laughs> But that's how it is out here. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> My point is, right, anybody, you can say something and then the opposite is true. So not knowing, not knowing. Well, what, how do I tie all this back together? Not knowing helps stabilize my emotions in that moment. Uh, last week, we got news that the cost for our operation here at Heartway is gonna double, right? So the last two years, because of COVID, um, the landlord here has been very uh, helpful to us. Now it's time for us to 
go back to paying what we used to pay when our congregation was also double the size as well. So this is, you know, that's a challenge. And as I, as I heard about this reality that was coming up, and the other part of it too, there's not a lot of places uh, to, to go to. And we have a wonderful facility here. Places are expensive. Anyways, as I'm hearing that, it's gonna cost a lot more money that we don't have to do what we're doing right now immediately. What does the mind do? Where does the ego go? Fear, doom and gloom. We're on a, we're on a clock. You know, it, it, this, it's not gonna work out. Everything that can go wrong, everything that can go wrong passes through my mind. But again, now, because it's just a habit, it's like I don't even try to do it. But because I have some practice in not knowing, it's like the fear comes up, the, 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 the anxiety about the future comes up, and then a big question mark comes up. Is that really true? How do I, how do I know that these conditions won't end up creating a whole lot of uh, new ideas that may be able to help us and catapult us to a next level that we wouldn't get to if it wasn't for the pressure, right? So now, you know, the mentality is, all right, let's see where this goes. <laughs> let's see what happens. This is gonna be fun. I'm here for the ride. I have no idea how we're gonna make it work, it may not. Let's go see how, if, let's go find out. I, that, you see how that is much better than, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Please, oh guys, help. What are we doing? Not knowing helps to bring some stabilization to your emotions. So non-attachment, this practice of non-attachment, it's putting a question mark after every thought, putting a question mark after every thought. We all love to challenge other people's thinking, <laughs> but we don't like to challenge our own. And by the way, those of you who like to challenge other people's thinking, thank you and you're annoying. I do appreciate it. You're also annoying. What I've come to see is that me Challenging my own thinking keeps me busy enough. But we just live as if our assumptions are true without ever really questioning what those assumptions are based on. So I want to leave you with this. I'm going to introduce you to one of my dead friends, an ancient philosopher. If you don't have dead friends that wrote books, you're missing out on life. All right. So this guy... Piero of Ellis, he looks kind of like mean, but he was all about like tranquility and freedom from worry and peace. But that sculpture just looks a little odd. Anyhow, Piero of Ellis is regarded as the founder of ancient skepticism. Okay, ancient skepticism. Any skeptics, kind of? Not really, you're in church, so you're not really that skeptical, but welcome to Harway, where we're gonna teach you how to be a little more skeptical. <laughs> so this guy used to travel around with Alexander the Great, and he went to India, he met some magi and Eastern wise men who ended up inspiring his philosophy and his lifestyle. 
And what Pirro taught is that for every statement, the opposite of that statement can also be proposed with equal justification. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. For every statement that is made, the opposite of that statement can also be proposed with equal justification. If you need an example of this, politics, right? No, it's like this. Mask, wear the mask. No mask, we don't need the mask, whatever. Pick your topic. But everybody has their reasons. Everybody has their justifications. The opposite of every statement that you make as a human being can be equally justified and considered to be true. So in light of this reality, the main principle of his philosophy was the notion of suspending judgment about what is ultimately or absolutely true. What he taught was that we only see things as they appear to us. And things appear to us the way they do because of the way we are. So we are actually ignorant to how things really are because we can only see things from our limited vantage point. And it is impossible for us to see things without the filter of our past, our experiences, our conditioning, our belief systems. So two people can look at the same thing and come with two different interpretations about what they're looking at. So according to this guy, it is actually impossible to know which opinion is totally right. In fact, what he says is we can't be certain of anything, not even the most trivial of things, like the sky is blue or the shirt is red because we as human beings may see that shirt and say it's red, but another animal who, whose lenses are totally different may be seeing a whole different reality. They may be looking at something totally different. Are dogs colorblind? Can they see color? Okay, so your dog doesn't see your red shirt. So is it red? Who's right? Whose vision is actually accurate? Yours or the dog's? The dog always wins. Now, this is, this is scary for people because now there's no foundation. What do you mean? No certainty? No certainty? No foundation? Welcome to faith. Welcome to surrender where the foundation is the foundationless, where what you know is that you don't know, and now you live like a child again. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. What this guy says is the best thing to do is to suspend judgment and refrain from making definitive statements about what is right and what is true. If you can suspend your judgment Refrain from making definitive and absolute statements. This will lead you to inner peace, stillness, freedom from worry, inner tranquility, which is the goal of every spiritual aspirant. So the key to living a life of inner tranquility is to stop pursuing certainty and final resolution. To recognize that all you ever have to offer is your opinion and to offer it in humility. Because you know 
that this is how I see it, but this is just how I see it. And just because a hundred other people see it like that too doesn't mean that you're right. Because the whole world can believe something's right and be wrong. I mean, even look at Jesus's life. All the religious people in his day were saying this guy is a blasphemer. He is a heretic. We should kill him because of how much he is disrespecting our traditions and laws. Fast forward 2,000 years later, we worship the man. But in his world, everybody thought they were right and he was wrong. What is right and wrong? Now, does, this doesn't mean now that discussion is shut down. No, this opens up discussion because there mean, that means now there's no final resolution to the discussion. So the discussion just keeps going. The discussion just keeps going. Why is this so important? Because in our desire to know and understand and control, we begin to mistake our opinions and our viewpoints for the absolute truth. The ego loves to say this is the way it is. But the reality of it is the way that you interpret your life, the way that you interpret someone else's life and behavior, however you may be judging the situation that you're in right now, is no more than just a viewpoint. And that viewpoint is one of many possible perspectives. So stay open. And this is why, as I've mentioned before, I am the ultimate pragmatist. Because for me, if... <laughs> If, if knowledge really is relative, if, if the hope for final certainty is, is, is impossible for us to capture, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Must not be that important. <laughs> not knowing, guys. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Anyhow, one teacher says this. The most spiritual thing that you can do is not take your thoughts and opinions too seriously. That's one of the most spiritual things you can do. Just don't take your thoughts and your opinions too seriously. Keep your mind open. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. That is the way you find stillness. All right, let me pray. God, we're so, so grateful that even though we may not be able to capture with certainty the nature of the way things are, that we can trust in you, that we can release and surrender our lives into your hands. Help us to be still. The, the scriptures say to be still and know that you are God. May we be able to embody this stillness and discover the peace that only you can bring. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Love you. Don't forget to sign up for the outreach event online. Hope to see you guys there. God bless.